0: Today on Awaken to Grace, we are going to be in Malachi chapter 3, and we're talking about the subject of generosity. What does it mean to be generous, not just to others, but to the Lord? Malachi asks a question. He says, will a man rob God? Well how can someone like us, just humans, mere mortals, how can we rob the Almighty? Well, today we're going to explore the scriptures. We're going to study it phrase for phrase. We're going to understand what it means when we withhold our giving from God, who is an incredibly generous God toward us. So if you will, join us today. Open your Bibles with us in Malachi chapter 3, and let's grow together. we're talking about generosity. How do we grow in our ability to be generous? How do we expand our ability to be, rather than self-centered people, generous people? How do we do that? Well, the Bible's going to tell us. And I've got to confess to you, I told you last week how nervous I am about preaching this sermon today. I've always been very nervous to preach sermons on giving or tithing. And I look back and I think, God, why, why is that? And I think the number one reason is because I've seen it abused so much in the church. Have you ever heard a preacher preach on giving that it just made you feel like, Bleh, after he was done? Or it made you feel so condemned? You know what I'm saying? And I fear that a lot. I don't. But one thing that the Lord began to show me as I was preparing for today's talk is My thinking has been very wrong in this, and I have to apologize to the church that I have not been stronger, or at least, let's say it this way, in my sermons, in my preaching, I have not been more consistent in talking about giving. There's a number of reasons why I haven't been. One of the main reasons is, as I said, I've seen it so abused in the past. And I never want us to be a church that has the appearance that we're money hungry. I don't want to be a church that people sit back and go, all oh, they want my money. So rather than being in that side of the ditch of where we look money hungry, we're actually in the other side of the ditch where we don't mention it at all. As a matter of fact, the last time I preached on giving was over two years ago. Maybe three years ago, you can go back on the app and look. I did a series called "Right on the Money," and in that series, I talked. I, uh, the first sermon was called "Strapped." What do you do when there's not enough money for your family? The second sermon was called "Loaded." What do you do when you got more than enough? What does God expect of you? The third sermon was God's view of money, having God's perspective of money and possessions. And then the last sermon is one of the most unique I've ever preached. It was on investing, and we called it the finish line. Then, in all of your gaining, in all of your getting, there should be a clear finish line. So that was years ago. And since then, I have not done one single sermon on giving. So if you're a guest today or you're new to our online community and you're just starting to watch some of the videos online or listen through the app and you think, oh man, okay, here's another preacher preaching about money. I'm actually on the other side of the ditch to where I never do it. And one of the reasons why is because I'm afraid of what people will think of me and of us. And what the Lord began to show me is this week as I'm preparing for this sermon is if, if somebody's sitting here today, you're listening online, and they have a problem with me as a pastor teaching on money, then let me tell you, Jesus will greatly offend you. Because he talked a lot about possessions. As a matter of fact, 16 of his 38 parables had to do with money and possessions. The word faith is found 500 times in the Bible. The word heaven is found approximately 500 times in the Bible. But money and possessions is talked about 2,300 times in the Word of God. And do you know why? Because Jesus said very clearly, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, we we misquote that often. I have misquoted it as a pastor. I've often got it backward and I've said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So today, as we talk about giving and and we talk, we explore this idea of what God says about giving, I want you to know this is a hard issue. It has nothing to do with our church. I don't want your money. And let me tell you, I don't need your money today. Do you realize that? Do you know this church doesn't need your money? You say, well, (laughs) I doubt that. Let me tell you what happened when we first started as a church. God was calling us to take bigger steps, and we couldn't afford it. We had very few families in our church, and even fewer tithing families in our church, and we were poor. I mean, we were poor. I can't can't tell you how poor we were. I went to buy offering plates, and we couldn't afford offering plates. Have you ever priced offering plates? We couldn't afford offering plates. And I didn't want to do KFC chicken buckets. So I was like, well, what do you do? We homemade our own offering plates. The little little elderly lady, Betty, made them for me because we couldn't afford them. God's calling us to take bigger steps. And this was before the days of social media. I don't know, maybe MySpace was out, I don't know. But it was before, you know, social media. And, um, and uh, a guy that I used to know, he lives in Williamstown, Kentucky, wrote me a letter and said, God has spoken to me to begin tithing into your church. It wasn't literally a few weeks later, A family in Raleigh, North Carolina, wrote to us, said, God's spoken to us to begin tithing to your church. A church here in town, Harvest Community Church, just a few blocks from us, a great church. Pastor Bud called me and said, we sent you guys a gift and God blessed us tremendously for it and we feel like God wants us to tithe 10% of our offerings into your church for a season. Three three, Three different sources all outside our church, and they gave and gave. And I can't remember how long it went now, but uh, when families began to come and people began to give and we got to the level we were supposed to be at, all three quit at the same time. God released them. Let me tell you, God takes care of his church with or without me or you. A family can get upset with me and go, well, I'm not going to tithe anymore. You think it hurts us? God will raise 10 more up right behind you. What what this has to do with today is what Jesus said, where your treasure is, what you value, what you love, what matters to you, that's where your heart is going to be. So today we're going to talk about generosity, but we we can't get into the areas of generosity until we talk about first what is right, and that's tithing. So let me be very clear where I'm going today. I am not talking to the person who folds their arms and go, well, you're not getting any of my money because that's all you want. And I'm disappointed that for years, that's who I've thought of when I've preached on tithing. I've preached to the person who would go, well, you're just money hungry. And you know what I felt the Lord tell me in preparing for this talk? Don't talk to them. Say, you don't have to say anything to them. Maybe God will talk to you. I don't know. But you not who I'm talking to today. Do you know who I'm talking to today? The ones who have been just like me and Sadie. One of the reasons why I've shied away from preaching on tithing as I ought to as a pastor is not only because I've been fearful of the way it would make us look would we appear money hungry, but secondly because Sadie and I weren't doing it well at all. Our intention has always been there. Always. We've always been strong giving as a church. Even way back when, when we had so few families, there was one year this little church gave $25,000 to Global Missions in one year. And we didn't have nothing. We we, We were far smaller than we are today. We've always been faithful in missions. We've always been faithful in giving. We've always been faithful in going. But I'm talking about me, not not, not the church. I'm talking about me. Me and Sadie have always struggled in the area of giving. And it had nothing to do with the fact we didn't want to. Here's what it had to do with. We didn't know how to. We didn't know how to put a discipline in place. We didn't know how to say, God, these are the first fruits of what we earn. And we didn't know how to do it. Because everything competed. We have a growing family. And there are 10 other places where that money could go. And so I have failed huge in this area. And, 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 you know, I look back through the years that God has helped me. I was telling the early service, there was one time in our old building, you know, we, we couldn't afford to be there and it was, everything was a step of faith. Everything was trusting God. And I remember I had this cubby hole. There was a small walkway, uh, between my office and another area. And in this walkway was this large cubby hole. And I remember when I was moving into that office, I was both excited and I was really scared because I'm like, God, what, if this fails. And I remember one day as I was moving into my office, the Lord told me. He said, "Chad, this is what I want you to do." He said, "I want you to write down every single bill you have at the first of every month." And I didn't realize it then what all the Lord was teaching me. He was teaching me to look ahead. He was teaching me to be a planner. He was teaching me how to anticipate, how to how to plan well and And this is what the Lord told me. The Lord said, write down every single bill. Don't leave anything out. Whatever you anticipate, you're going to need. And this is what the Lord told me. The Lord said, the first of every month, I'll pass by and I will read your list and I will pay those bills. Friends, there was not one month that the Lord was not faithful. He supplied every single month but I look back over those times of my life and while the church was very faithful, while I was very faithful in ministry, some of you don't know my story and it's important to me that, that you do know some of it because I don't want you to feel like I'm setting up here Uh, you know, always had enough, always earned a lot of money. I don't want you to feel like I'm swimming in money and that. No, 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 no. For those of you who you have well intentions the way I've always had, I want you to know I get it. I get it when you're strapped. I get it when there's not enough. I, oh, you just don't know. Some of you don't know. I worked the first eight years of this church with no income. I can't say no income. I made $50 a week. For for two years, I worked bivocational. I had a part-time job. And then in 2003, I went full-time trusting God, making $50 a week. That was my full income. And I did that for six years till about 2008, really 2009. So for those of you who I'm talking to today that you feel strapped, you feel like, You feel like there's not enough. You know, I look back over that season of my life when I didn't give consistently. I I did in in a ministry perspective. I gave all of me. I mean, crying out loud, I worked without any income. But you know what? I still missed it. And I look back over those years, and it's not that I feel condemned by God. It's not that I, I I mean, no, God gave me fruit for for the labor. But I look back and I think God would say to me, Chad, you worked a lot harder than you really should You struggled a lot harder than what you should have. If you had just set aside the tenth for me, I could have helped you in more supernatural ways. I'm beginning to learn that. The last year, year and a half, Sadie and I have been able, by God's grace and by His enablement, we've been able to tithe consistently. But let me tell you what we never had that was my downfall. I never had the system in place. I never had the discipline. And what we found for us is we found e-giving was our discipline. We can set it, and whether we like it or not, whether we have it or not, whether it does not matter, the first tenth goes to the Lord. And when we got serious with that and we got solid with that, Let me tell you something. God has blessed us and helped us this last year and a half more than any other year throughout our nine getting ready to be ten years of marriage. God has been faithful, not, not just to the church, which he always has been. God's being faithful to me and my family. But it's taken me a long time to learn it. It's taken me a long time to do it. So today, if you would, turn to Malachi chapter 3. I want to, if the Lord will enable me, I want to teach you some things that I think will help you. You know, the Lord was ministering to me this week, and, you know, I got this fear of talking about money, that I'll look money-hungry, or, you know, blah. And the Lord has been showing me, Chad, you, you don't shy from preaching on prayer. You emphasize prayer. Like there's no tomorrow. Matter of fact, I'll say it right now. You need to be at prayer meeting Tuesday night. You need to be here. You need to. I don't shy away from that. Why? Because I know it's good for you. I don't shy away from preaching on marriage. God wants your marriage strong. God wants it thriving. God wants it to be the most satisfying relationship of your life. I don't shy from that because I know it's good for you good for me and I'm sorry I've shied away from teaching on giving are we ready to learn this morning Amen. for you that's looking at me bad I, I can't see you so guess <laughs> Malachi chapter 3 verse number 8 God says something very shocking he says will a man rob God Will a mere mortal rob God? Can a man rob the Lord? Have you ever been robbed before? I can't see your hands if you raise your hands, but if you've ever been robbed, you know how it feels to be robbed. I've been robbed a few times. Thankfully, never like, you know, in person, I've never been robbed, but uh, I used to own a, a bookstore on Netherland Inn and twice I was broken into. One morning, it was January 1st, I think 2007, and I pulled up to the bookstore and, you know, I had two glass double doors like most commercial buildings have. And the glass was shattered and someone had thrown a rock that big through my glass doors and robbed me. I was in Tijuana, Mexico in 2010 or 9. And some guy stole my, my bag and stole a lot of things out of that. A lot of ministry money and a lot of things that the Lord Helped and the Lord replaced. I know what it is to be robbed. I know how I felt when I've been robbed. And God says something so shocking. He says, will a man rob God? How, how can that be? I, I mean, I'm sure that you're just like me. You realize that God doesn't need your dollars, right? God is not funding the mansions in heaven or the streets of gold. He's not funding it with my money. Right? So what does he mean, robbing God? I don't think that God has, you know, an angel in heaven with a ledger, you know, like with that little green visor, you know? And I don't think God's like, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to heaven one day and and, and that angel's going to be like, okay, Chad, we need to settle up your balance. I mean, you know, you take 2006 compared to 2018, you owe a negative. No. How do we rob God? Think about it. Because when we think of tithing, the first, what belongs to God, and I don't want to take for granted that everybody knows what tithing is. Let's just understand this real quickly. The biblical meaning of the word tithe means tenth. So it means that we are to take a tenth of what we earn. We are to take a tenth of our income, a tenth of our revenue, a tenth of our investments, whatever that is. We are to take a tenth of either that stream of income, or if you're someone who has multiple streams of income, you and I are to take a tenth and set that aside and give that to the Lord. And God says, you have robbed me. Are you kidding, God? you kidding. You need my little 10th? You need that? You're El Shaddai. You're more than enough. You're all sufficient within yourself. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they who dwell therein. You say, all the gold is mine. All the silver is mine. And you need my 10%. I don't know about you, but in times of life when I felt strapped, that's almost offensive to me. Have you ever felt that way? Can we just be real and be honest for a minute? God, do you need that? You need need that from me. You see I'm struggling. You see I'm doing the best I can. I'm not out here blowing money on frivolous things. I'm doing all I can. And you want my 10%? What does he mean when he says, you rob me? If God doesn't need our dollars, if God doesn't need your checkbook, God doesn't need your wallet, God doesn't need his hand in your little cookie jar, then what does he mean, you robbed me? Well, he tells us. He says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then a couple of verses down, as you know, I can't see my Bible, so I can't read it word for word to you. But you skip a couple of verses down, and what does he say? I will rebuke the devourer. For whose sake? For your sake. Now follow me here. He says, this is the only time in the Bible, now think about this. The only time in the Bible that God says, test me, try me. Prove me. That word test or prove, it literally means testing as in the refining of metal or in the purifying of gold. That's what he talks about earlier in chapter 3. He's talking about refining metal. And this is the same meaning. He says, test me, try me, prove me. And listen what he says. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing which there is not room enough to contain it. Praise God. And I look back over the years of my life that, yeah, the, the church did great and, and I did well in ministry. I did well in my faithfulness in ministry, but I failed miserably in my consistency of giving. And I look back and I don't feel condemned. I don't feel like God's angry at me. But do you know what I feel like God is saying? I feel like God is saying, Chad, I could have opened the windows of heaven a long time ago. I didn't rob God of dollars in the sense that I need to settle up with the Lord. No, what I robbed God of is the opportunity to really bless my life, to really bless my family, to really bless my marriage the way that God really wanted to bless me through those years. Do you see what I'm saying? Why do we tithe? You know, think about this. Preachers didn't invent tithing. Do you ever think about that? Pastors didn't come up with tithing. Do you know who came up with tithing? God. Someone reminded me in the early service, they said, yeah, you're right. They said if preachers had invented tithing, it had been more like 30%, not 10%. It's probably true. Preachers didn't invent tithing. This is God's system. And why is it God's system? Because it's linked to the heart. It's linked to your faith. Do you know what God says he wants? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. God wants your first fruits. What are your first fruits? That's the first of your income. Why does God want the first? I want you to hear me today. Hear my pastor's heart. God wants the first because it takes more faith to give the first. It doesn't take any faith to give what's less. It takes what's left. It takes faith to give the first. Do you see? Do you you understand what I'm saying? It honors God with faith to say, God, I recognize that everything I own, everything I receive, everything I have comes from you. 2 Corinthians 9 says that God even gives seed to the sower. Even what we have, the the ability to work a job, the health to go to work, the mental capacity to earn an income. I don't care what stage you're at or what level you're at. you You have been gifted by God. And our responsibility is to bring the tenth. To bring that first fruit and say, God, this belongs to you. It's not mine. And when we don't do that, when you're like, I have been for a long time, when you have the best of intentions, and I believe that's what, I mean, I think that's who I'm really talking to today. The ones who go, it's not at all that I, that I wouldn't, it's that I can't. No, 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 no. Let's change our thinking Listen, listen to this. This is how I've had to change my thinking. God says in Malachi 3 verse 9. In verse 8 he says, you've robbed me. How have I robbed you, you say? Through tithes and offerings. And listen to what he says. This is fascinating. He says there's a curse on you. A curse. See, God wants to bless us. God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings on us. But do you know why he can't do that for many of us? Because we're withholding the tithe. We're withholding the 10% of whatever revenue we earn. Well, listen to this, okay? Now, I've had to change my thinking. I've had to sit down and go, okay, if I earn $100, how much of that belongs to God? Some of you math whiz, help me. Until <laughs> the ones who are good at math, they're like, $10, come on, you know this. belongs to the Lord. And do you know know how I read Malachi 3 9 for me personally now? I read it in this way I would rather have $90 with God honoring it and God blessing it than to have $100 without His blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, it's easy when you calculate $100 because, I mean, what's $10? But when you calculate your income, when you calculate your investments, when you calculate what God has truly given you, and then you understand God says in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe to me then that's when it gets really hard. Am I right or am I wrong? That's when it gets difficult. And that's where we have to understand we are not robbing God of so many hundreds or even so many thousands of dollars. What we're robbing God of is the opportunity, the ability to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings in which we cannot even contain it. Amen? Oh, I want those blessings on my life. Not just my work, not just my church, not just my ministry. I want them on my life. That I can't withhold the tithe. I have to understand. I have to recognize. I have to say, God, this belongs to you. And even in times that it feels like it's not enough, well, you know what? God gives seed to the sower. I don't even have seed without God giving it to me. Amen? When you're a tither, God's gonna take care of you. I had a single mom come up to me some time ago in the church and she's a tither. She's a very faithful tither. And she's a single mom and her car began to tear up. She came up to me and said, Pastor Chad, will you pray for me for a new car? Mine's about to go and I don't know what to do. And you know what I told her? said, I don't need to pray for you. You're a tither. And God's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. God's going to help you. God's going to take it. You've taken care of his business. God's going to take care of your business. Amen? Amen. And it wasn't, but maybe a couple weeks or a month later, she came up to me so excited and said, oh, you wouldn't believe what God did for me. And God gave her the car she needed. Amen. There was a family in our church that I had the opportunity of marrying a while ago. They're a young family. They got real young kids. They got several kids. And you know, they're young, they're young. And uh, they're in that stage of life where they need every dollar they can get for their family. But they committed to tithe. They wrote me a note and they said, Pastor Chad, I can't remember what, you know, it was a week or two after, however it was. They said, uh, we, we tithed that, that week, and they do e-giving. And they said, we knew that when we tithed, we won't get paid for another two weeks. And they said, it left us with $10 in our bank account. $10. And they said, we didn't know what to do. They thought, is it better to withhold the tithe than take care of our family, or is it better to trust God and tithe? And they said, we felt like God wanted us to tithe. So we did. You know what that makes me feel like as a pastor? When they told me that I solved their e-giving and I wanted to give it back to them, I wanted to say, no, 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 no. We're fine, we're fine. Here, take this back. But see, that's not the point. That's not the point. The church could do or not do with that. It didn't matter. God's going to help us. What would have happened if I had said, oh, no, no, here, take this back? I would have robbed God of the opportunity to bless them. They said, we tithed. We had $10 in our bank account. $10 for two weeks for our large family. And they had gotten married, and I had the opportunity to marry them. I had a relative they hadn't seen in years and years and years and didn't come to the wedding and... All of a sudden, they got a letter in the mail, and that relative had mailed them $500 as a gift. Amen? Listen, we don't give to get. I mean, that's not, don't think if you tithe this morning, you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to check my mail, and they're going to be 500 bucks. I mean, no, 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 no. You're spiritually more mature than that, right? We, We don't give to get. But listen, when we give, God shows his faithfulness, doesn't he? There was an old farmer one time, and boy, I tell you, everything he touched was blessed. His neighbor watched him. Neighbor couldn't figure it out. His neighbor kept thinking, man, everything this God does is blessed. He's, he's got so much joy, he's got so much peace in his home. God's blessed him and material things. I mean, he's just everything he touches is blessed. How does he do it? So one day they're standing at the fence post that separated their properties. And the neighbor asked the old farmer, he said, can I ask you a question? What's the secret to how blessed you are in life? And you know what the old farmer told him? The old farmer said, well, he said, I'm a giver. I give to God. And he said, what I've learned is when I shovel into God's business, God shovels right back into mine. And he said, you know the secret I learned? The neighbor said, yeah, what? The old farmer said, I've learned that God has a much bigger shovel than I do. And he does. God wants to help us. He wants to open the windows of heaven for you. He wants to pour out blessings on me that there's not room enough to contain it. He wants to rebuke the devourer for my sake. God wants to do supernatural work in my life. But God says, you've robbed me though. Robbed you of what? You've robbed me of the opportunity to bless you like I want to. Let's don't rob God any longer. Let's set aside the 10th. And you you have to search your heart with this. Is that the 10th of, you know, people are so funny. They've asked me in the past, was that on net or Gross. Some people have multiple streams of income. Is that on my base income or is that on all the streams? Is that on my investment? Listen, listen. You figure that out with God. All I can tell you is a while ago, Sadie and I made the decision, we're not going to rob God anymore. And since we made that decision, I'm telling you, God has blessed us And we have more today, not because my income is up, not because I'm making more money. We have more today because God honors the tithe. Now, in closing today, I want to talk to a different group. I've talked to those who are strapped, those who have all the best intentions, but it's not that I wouldn't, it's that I can't. No, you can with God's help, with God's enablement, with the right system in place, with the right discipline in place, you can. Remember, you're better to have $90 blessed and honored by God than to have $100 that's cursed. You can. Now, let me talk to those who are in the category who do give faithfully and regularly. And I'm so thankful after all these years, I'm in that category now. I'm glad I'm with, I'm glad I'm among all of you who you've given. You, you've done the 10th and you know how God's blessed you. Let me ask a question to us today. What's the next step? Is what God would require of us the tithe, the 10th, or would God require more? Well, let me tell you what I want to learn this year. I want to grow my capacity. I want to expand My capacity for generosity, and while we finally got the right system, the right discipline, and it's automatic—it's week after week, week after week—and now I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be like, "Oh, I got to, I got, I got." If I do this, I can't do that. No, 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 it's just automatic, like clockwork. Now that that's down, let me tell you where I want to grow. Let me tell you where I want to go. I want to take the training wheels off of my giving. The tenth, the tithe, that's the training wheels. That's, I mean, that's bare minimum of what God asked me. No, I want to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn there, if you would, and and just mark it in your Bibles because you need to really read and you need to really ponder 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 to verse 15. And for those of you that, you know, like, you know, you've understood this for a while and, you know, you do tithe and you do participate in that. And you say, you know, I mean, hey, I can testify. God's been faithful. I can testify. God's been good to me. God God has helped me. Uh, Okay. Well, what's the next step? Because, again, the way I'm viewing my life, tithing is the training wheels. No, 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 no. I want to take the training wheels off and I want to learn generosity. Generosity. So what is generosity? Well, notice what Paul says. Verse number 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So the point is this. Here's the conclusion of what he's saying. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully. Now, this is what I love about this. The principles, the laws of giving, of sowing and reaping and generosity. You know what I love is the fact that a principle works for everyone. So think about this. I don't care what education level you are today. It It don't matter how much or how little education you have today. God has the ability to bless you. I don't care what stage of life you're in. You may be a high school student that it's your first job and you work part-time and you make $20 a week. Hopefully not, but I don't know. Maybe that's what you do. I don't care if you're in the stage of life where your children are young and it takes every single dollar and then some and you're like, man, we're not even going on vacation because we don't have enough extra money. Listen, God has the ability to bless you. I don't care if you're in the stage of life where your kids are in college and you're empty nesters and, you know, it's a huge transition in your life. Listen, God has the ability to bless you. I don't care if you're in those beautiful years of retirement today and you've done well and you've saved and you've put back and and now you're blessed. God has the ability to bless you. These principles doesn't matter... It doesn't matter what education level. It doesn't matter what stage of life. Listen, it doesn't matter what income level you're at. If your head's barely above water and it wouldn't take much to drown. And I've been there. I know. Let me tell you this real quick because again, it's important to me that you don't look at me and go, well, yeah, you do it because you can't afford it. No. Let me tell you, I know I know, there was one point where I leased this building for the church, I leased the building on Netherland In Road for the bookstore, and I leased my apartment. And I went to all three landlords, not really the church landlord, but the business and the apartment, and I told them, I said, listen, I've got three leases due every single month. I've got three power bills, three water bills, multiple insurance payments, premiums. I cannot pay every, I cannot pay all three of you all in one month. Someone's going to be a little late, but I I will make it happen. And I did. And those people were good to me. And if I couldn't get it all within that month, they would let me, you know. But again, see, I look back. If I had just set aside the 10th, I don't think I would have struggled as hard. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter what income level you are. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. And it certainly doesn't matter what education level you have. God has the ability to open the windows of heaven over you and your family and bless your life. He has that ability. So notice what he says, verse number six. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. That's the the law of giving. That's the law of sowing and reaping. It's a law, it's a principle, and it will work for you. And then he said, but don't give grudgingly or out of obligation. Don't give under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You can disqualify this by being grudgingly about it. So here's what he says. Help me. What's the next verse say? Oh, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Praise God. Having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work. Then he goes on and says, He gives seed to the sower and bread to the hungry, and God provides these things. And then he ends with something extraordinary, verse 15. And thanks be unto God for his inexpressible gift, which we know is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, think about this. You know what Jesus is called in the Bible? Jesus is called the firstborn. Jesus is called the firstfruits. You know what God did? God gave Jesus as a tithe. God gave his son. God gave first before we ever believed. Amen? So my question to you today, those of you who you faithfully give, are you generous? Are you generous? Does God want to increase your generosity? You know, when I think of being generous, I think of these Bibles to Pakistan that we're sending. That needs generosity. I think of our beloved pastor in Egypt. He and his beautiful family, and they only earn $90 a month. What would $20 extra dollars a month do for them? Generosity, not tithe. That tithe belongs to the Lord. Generosity. Let's grow this year. Let's expand. And if you're someone, let me say this and then I'll, I'll be finished. Are you with me right now? Yes. Let me say this and then I'll be finished. There are two things that we have to learn as God's people. Two things. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And if we're going to walk with the Lord in the, way, in the way in which pleases him in these dealings of our income and our earnings and all that. There's two things we have to learn. And I want you to write them down if you're taking notes. Number one is stewardship. Number two is generosity. God cannot bless the one without the other. So think about this. If you're someone that you are very generous, but you don't know how to steward money, how can God bless you with more? You'll lose it, you'll waste it, it'll slip right through your fingers. It's not just generosity, it's stewardship. But those of you who can steward really well, a.k.a. those of you who are tight. How many of you are married to somebody tight? It's all right, we'll do marriage counseling later. How how many of you are married to somebody tight? Eh. But you're not generous. How can God trust you with more blessings? Do you see how it takes both? And some are really strong in one area, but not the other. And you can see how, how, how it, if we're strong in, in, in one and not in the other, we're still lacking, right? No, I want to grow to where, yes, I'm a good steward, and yes, I'm generous. Let me tell you what God's helping me with right now. The God that does my finances, we are great friends. We're really close, really good friends, and he set my IRA up. If I told you how much I put into an IRA every week, you would laugh at me. It is, it's, I mean, every month. It's, I've got to figure out how to, how to begin working toward, because I don't have a 401K or anything like that, and so I'm getting to the age now, I really need to get serious about that and begin putting back. Because doesn't the Bible teach good stewardship in that way? Look to the ant, not the sluggard, right? Uh, The Bible says divide your portions into seven because you don't know the calamity that's coming upon the earth. That means investing. You should go back and listen to that sermon on investing from two, three years ago from the Ride on the Money series. So where I've been on this other side of the ditch where I'm not doing it as good as I should be, my friend came, and we always laugh, and we're like, yeah, we're going to get together and talk about my finances. Well, that takes like five minutes, and then after that, we just hang out and talk about our families. So it don't take real long to cover it. But he's going to help me figure out a path that I can do better in this. Well, in praying about this and asking God, how, you know, what, what, what do you think I need, and what should I do, and what's the right thing to do, Lord? Let me tell you what the Lord reminded me of this week. And this is a word for some of you. The Lord said, "Yes, put back. Yes, absolutely. You're wise to do that." But here's what the Lord began to minister to me. Don't focus on building a reservoir. Focus on being a river that I can flow blessings through you. Some of you have built large reservoirs. Oh, you're wise for what you've done. You've you've done well. And God's helped you. And God's blessed you. But here's my question to you. Are you a river of generosity? Don't just be a reservoir. Be a river. Take the training wheels off. And Some of us need to figure out this year how we're going to do that. We need to figure out what God would speak to us, what God would say to us to take the training wheels off and to really begin to walk in generosity. Because what did we say earlier? We shovel into God, but what do we say? God has a lot bigger shovel. (laughs) And let me tell you, I'd rather have $90 blessed. I'd rather have God honor my 90 than to have him curse my 100. Let's bow our heads today. Well, I've tried to share with you my thoughts without any fear of what people think. If you're someone that you're thinking, well, I just don't think you need to be talking about this, well, go to another church. It really don't hurt my feelings. And I don't want to be overboard. We're not going to talk about this every Sunday. We don't need to talk about it every Sunday. But here's what I am going to commit to you. I'm not going to never touch it again like I have been. One part was out of fear. The other part, honestly, was out of condemnation because I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do and I knew that. Well, if you are like I was and you say, Chad, I just don't see any margin. I just don't see where I can do this. Well, let me tell you, friends, this is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. God's gonna build this church with or without your money. That's not my motivation. It's not my motivation. My motivation is that I want us to be the people that God wants us to be. I want you blessed. You know how I felt when that young family that I had the privilege to marry? You know how I felt when they told me they had $10 left in their bank account for two weeks? I wanted to give them money. I wanted to say, here, here. But no, listen, God had a plan. And do you know how I felt when when they came back and said, listen to what God did? See, they gave God the opportunity to help them. Some of you, God wants to do some extraordinary things, but you're robbing Him. And you're not robbing him in a ledger way. You're not robbing him in the way that you have a negative balance. You're robbing him in the way he can't open the windows of heaven. He can't rebuke the devourer for your sake. I think back to a time of 2012. Sadie and I call it the Great Depression of 2012. 2012. Everything in our life broke, everything. Our lawnmower broke, our heat pump broke, our car broke. It felt like if I touched it, it broke. There was one point I looked up to God and said, our pet's heads are falling off, if you know that movie. Everything broke. You know what, I look back now, I look back now and I think, golly Lord, what a struggle. If I had just set aside the 10th, You would have rebuked the devourer for my sake. You would have rebuked it. And you would have helped me in a greater way. Father, I'm sorry for the times that I've limited you. This church has never limited God. We've been generous. We've been faithful. But God, when it comes to me, I have sinned and I have withheld the tenth and I'm sorry Lord but you're helping me now and you're not condemning me you're helping me, you're leading me as a good shepherd does God would you teach me generosity would you help me take the training wheels off of what Sadie and I do and would you help us to grow and really being generous for where my treasure is that's where my heart is going to be and Jesus I want my treasure in your kingdom I really believe Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things what things the things we worry about my 401k where my kids will go to college. If we'll ever do those big vacations. those thing, all, all those things will take care of itself. And God, I want to learn the things that I can't do today. It doesn't mean I won't do them tomorrow. But none of that's the point. The point is he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. So help me, God, to turn this big corner in my life to where this time next year, I'm just not walking in obedience because I give the 10th. I'm walking in generosity because I've really learned how big your shovel is. Father, I pray for every family that's listening to this, that you'll help them. Help them find their discipline. Help them to find their... For me and Sadie, it's e-giving. That's our discipline. It drafts our account, whether we like it or not, and praise God for it. God, I need that discipline. I do. I need it. So thank you for it, Lord. Help them to find their discipline. And help them to find you faithful. David said, he wrote in Psalms, and I... 20 years later, I testify to it. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. You give us all things at all times, (laughs) so that we may abound in every good work. And you enrich us to be generous in every way, on every occasion. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Let us take those words to heart in Jesus' name.